0: time for the Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Studio space for the Jambalaya provided by WYAB, the place for true conservative talk radio in the Jackson metro area. This podcast is sponsored by Guns & Gear. Don't be that guy who shows up to the deer camp with a jammed up gun because it hasn't been cleaned. Guns & Gear in Gluckstadt has a full service gunsmith on site who can clean, repair, or refurbish any gun. Guns & Gear offers barrel threading, custom gun builds, and Cerakote from single color to custom patterns that will transform your gun to look like it came right out of a movie. Give your gun new light. Guns and Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals.
1: But when you're dealing with kids, like I said, 18-month-old baby that's
2: got I mean, had two STDs. Give, give listeners an idea, what you now that you can talk about yeah. it, Obviously, without naming names, but give people an idea, elaborate, what you were having to see. Uh, we were seeing... Uh, give us a window uh, in the uh, youth court.
1: I, I, you know, the youngest child we saw sexually abused was eight-month-old uh, uh, little girl, sexually abused. Wow. Um, we had a little, uh, little girl that came in that was 18 months old that was sexually abused. And her daddy, she ended up with two STDs. That's how she knew she was sexually abused. She had gonorrhea and chlamydia. And her daddy came in, and we were doing the case. I said, you got anything you want to say? And he said, yeah, I want to talk. So I swore him in, and he said, yeah, I had sex with her twice, on the couch and in the bedroom. And he said, I didn't see anything wrong with it because she smiled the whole time I was having sex with her. And, and ironically, he only got 10 years. Uh, Why? That was it. Well, he got a blessing in Hines County.
2: And, and I one time I sat through Docket Call over there in, a, I think, Kids Court, and he would read out, some offenses they had and there were sex abuse cases of kids. And it was amazing how many times I would see where the parents were willing to let everything go. Yeah. They did not want to prosecute the case. Now, sometimes a lot of it's a lot of it times is because they just don't want to put their kids through anything. But sometimes, I mean, it was somebody and they knew some relative, relative and they just didn't want to do it.
1: Well, one of the cases I got, one of the first cases I got the first week I was there was this lady walks into her uh, laundry room and catches her boyfriend having sex with her six year old daughter. Ugh. He had her bent over the dryer or picked up over the dryer and had sex with her. Well, she had three daughters, and come to find out, he had had sex with all Every of, one them. of them. Yeah. And ironically, <clears throat> we removed all her kids from her because she still had him living there and they hadn't arrested him. When they finally did arrest him and charged him with these cases, you know, who posted his bond? Who? Oh, she did. did. Oh, yeah. And she never got her kids back, never came back to court to get her kids back. Those kids ended up in foster care, and then I don't know if they've ever been adopted or not, but never came back. She chose him. And, and we saw that. That was a regular thing in our court. And so well, when it's like see, domestic
2: violence, I mean, you see how often you see that in domestic violence cases where. That's right. The, I mean, there was that one I covered a few years ago in Columbus. I mean, the, I mean, the guy literally split, split his wife's head wide open. And there she is at his parole hearing three years later. Please let him out. Please let him out. You know, and they move off together.
1: Well, you know, Bobby DeLauder and I were one of the first authors of the domestic violence handbook that the AG's office would pass out. They would be in all Mm -hmm. the courtrooms. So when somebody came in, if they came in justice court or whatever to file a domestic violence charge, they would hand them a handbook. And what that handbook talked about was being a victim. And, you know, and so it, it said this is all the things you're, that they're going to do. And so try to tell them that It's the same way with those sexual abuse cases. Yeah, people used to say you're crazy. But when they came and sat in my court, they would go, I can't do this. How in the hell do you do this every day? How did you? And, uh, you know, I guess because I trained every day and, and walked 10 miles a day. And that was my de-stressor. And I had a good staff around me that I could talk to. Mm-hmm. And they talked to me. And, you know, every one of my staff had a master's degree. I had the highest-paid court staff in the state, not because the AOC let them, you know, the administration of courts paid them or the county paid them, but when I had a staff member retire, instead of hiring somebody to fill that position, I'd get my staff in and say, look, guys, now we can pick up the slack and I'll spread this love around to everybody, or we'll hire somebody else. Well, of course, you know what they're going to say. We want the money. And so I had, when I retired, I had the highest-paid court staff in the state and, and they did a good job, and they were worth every penny. But we all relied on each other because they were doing this every day, too. My mm-hmm. bailiffs had to listen to this every day. And so, you know, Friday afternoons when we got through a court, I would take them to a Mexican restaurant down in Byram, and we would go eat and have a cocktail or ten, and that was our little de-stressor. Where would,
2: where would you, um, what are some, What are the, what's the worst couple of cases that stood out to you?
1: You know, that we had a case where uh, a mother and a stepfather took a fork stuck it on the stove and they they had two children and there was not a place that you could physically touch on their body that didn't have a, a fork mark burn. wow and uh of course we took their kids away and anything happened to the parents uh no Why they not? were given a five-year suspended sentence non-adjudication which i didn't think it was happen. the judge uh, <laughs> can i figure it out uh, well yeah, yeah you, know, you can figure out who the prosecutor was jamie mcbride they were doing these five years you know suspended nine adjudication if you don't get arrested in five years then mm-hmm. it'd go away how do you make those cases go away first of all that's not statutorily legal but they were doing that and then in five years these parents would come back in the court thinking they were going to get their kids back well hell to the no you're not getting your kid back when you did this before and it was constant. i had parents beat their c- child to death. I got one that's getting ready. I mean, the, the, he's supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to have a death penalty case on him, where he, you know, we took his baby away. Child Protection Service, unbeknownst to me, gives the child back to him without coming through the court. Which case was this? I can't remember the name. It was him and his girlfriend. You, you know the case. It happened down in Terry, and they, they, he beat the child to death. Wow. And then first he beat, he beat the child death, then he beat her up. Yeah, And, uh, I mean, over and over, this was every day. This did not go away. It was like the Postal Service. That mail didn't stop coming. It, it was nothing for us to do 20 to 25 sexual abuse or felony physical abuse cases a week on top of just neglect cases. My court was doing 7,000 cases a year. We were moving 7,000 cases a year through the course of the What do you
2: think that. is the biggest cause of all this?
1: No father in a home. And, and look, these predators, you know, they, they go to Walmart, and they'll pick out this woman walking around with four or five children, buy them a, a double Whopper with cheese, and the next thing you know, they're living with them. And they can't tell you the guy's last name. They can't tell you his date of birth. And he's molesting their children. And then they end up in my court. Seriously, I, said, well, I mean these I'm guys serious. are moving their yeah. house and they. Look, I had a lady come in that said that. I said, "Well, what's his? Life? I don't know his last name." I said, "When did you meet this guy? About two weeks ago." And you moved this sucker into your house, and he molested your children, and you don't even know where he stays at.
2: When uh so, which, which plays a bigger factor, just no father in the home or drugs? You know,
1: drugs are, uh, play a
2: part in some there. of that,
1: yeah, but fi- not having a father in the home is, is significant. I mean, that plays a major role when you don't have the fi- biological father, not necessarily in the home, but involved in these children's lives. Or a then you strong got a male role figure. That's right. Figure. You don't, and you don't have that. Look at the problem in Hines County right now
2: you've got a whole generation that's raised without a father. Or and grandfather. That's right, and so they I mean you're seeing twenty so something year old grandmothers. That's right. Look, I would you see, don't have that fifty year old grandmother who's teaching. I would have teaching. My, would have teaching my, that's right. The daughter how to raise the kid. I or would vice have them versa. come
1: in my court 29, 30 years old, and I said, "Was this your child, ma'am?" No, that's my grandchild. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, I, "I had one lady had thirteen kids. She was thirty two years old." And my court administrator, she was the CPS worker on that case. She went to the house, South Jackson case, went to the house, supposed to be a neglect, goes in the house. There's dog feces everywhere. The toilet doesn't work. Kids are yeah, using it, the bathroom. Uh, you know, and they're all sleeping on a mattress that is covered in stains on the, uh, on the floor in the bedroom. And so naturally we take custody of all the kids. Didn't have no power, no heat, no water, whatever. So anyway. anybody even work? No, she didn't work. She, and didn't get any child support for any of the kids of course not and so oh, we take on, the kids oh, she living on welfare uh very little of it and uh, she didn't hardly get any but my court administrator the court, she, she was she I was a a, cps sorry resident. i hate to hit
2: you another question was she even capable of taking care of herself no wow uh,
1: but i'll tell you the the funny part about this case the court administrator we of course we put out we had to place all 13 children and so we placed the children and uh, one night, my court administrator calls me. Of course, she's a, a CPS worker then. Wakes me up about 11 o'clock at night. She says, hey, Judge, I got a problem. She said, one of the kids has ran away from the, uh, the foster home. And uh, the foster home that this little child was staying in was out there on Terry Road. And she said, and a bike has gone. So I think he's on his bike. So I said, well, you might want to ride by his mama's house. Because she lived on Tree Haven in South Jackson, over there by Peoples. Mm-hmm. So... The, court, the worker drives over there. Well, she pulls up in the driveway, and um, now she's got me on the phone, and she said, look, I'm going to hang up just for a second, and I'm going to go up the door and see if the child's here." And I said, okay. So she walks past this truck, and she hears a noise in the truck, thinking it's the child is hiding in this truck. She opens the door to the truck, and the mama's having sex with a guy in the truck. <laughs> and she said, You got a house. Why are you not in a house? She said, Well, you got to go with what you know. So that was after that, that was the theme in my court, where you got to go with what you know. But ironically, the guy in the trucks having sex with her Uh was a guy (laughs) from one of these prominent black organizations that was supposedly helping her get back on her feet. Of course. And so he was over there having sex with her. It took her roughly.
2: Don't you understand? It's a special kind of ministry. Well, he was giving him and fellowship,
1: and she was uh, she was giving him the fellowship he wanted. But it took (laughs) it took about it took just about five years. The key word being the fellow part. It took about five years for her to start getting her children back for her because she just didn't care. Yeah. Now, she would make improvements, then she would do what she's, you know. And so, in the end, she ended up getting all her kids back. And uh, I don't know whatever happened with that case. But uh, no. it was a int- I mean, it was interesting because we had to deal with these. And when I hired her from CPS, all the workers would cuss her when they'd say, my God, I got that case. <laughs> you know, they would raise hell because, they, you know, here they were trying to deal with that case. But we had case after case like that. And uh, it'll just beat you, know, you down and wear you down, it, it will wear you down. And and you know, I retired when I retired, I had 43 years in the state system.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so, had I known that, I might have gone beforehand. But I, you know, I, I loved what I did, but I was battling uh, the board of stupid advisors, <laughs> I was battling the justice department. Uh, you know, Jody Owens worked for Southern Poverty then. Every week, he's filing a federal lawsuit against me. So I was in federal court battling Jody all the time. And it's been rather
2: interesting seeing him because, I mean, I remember when he said to shut down the charter schools. and I mean, I just wore his ass out of my website. uh, You know, he uh, and, you know, it's been a little progression
1: now. He's gotten a little better. Well, he sees it from a different perspective.
2: Right. And that's just it. And he starts seeing what's going on here. And. He's in Hines County. I mean, he's dealing with some really bad dudes, oh, okay? Look, he, We're he, not throwing people in jail for, for dime bags, yeah. okay? And then he's also having to deal with the judges, and he's seen how some of these judges really operate. Yeah. And
1: well, you know, y'all he, can
2: he, figure out which yeah, ones they right. are. Well, you know,
1: every – every. And, I mean, so I was, t- I was getting this onslaught from them. And then Judicial Performance every week was investigating oh, yeah. me because the guy who's the current county court judge was over at the detention center. And in my last few years, everybody walked out of the courtroom. If they walked out of there crying, didn't matter whether they they were crying because they were happy, he would give them a card and say call judicial performance. So well, they'd call and say, Look, I'm supposed to call oh, you. Boy. And they'd say for what? Say, Well, I'm supposed Don't to file know. you know, the, the the guy down here told me to call y'all because of to complain on Skinner. Say, Well what's your complaint? What's well the, nothing. What? I just got my kid back. I'm what's happy. What's the
2: biggest changes you you would recommend <laughs> making, not just the court system, but to cut down this problem? <laughs> I, I made a recommendation. You're dictator for a day in this, in this state. If, uh,
1: if somebody files a complaint against you, a judicial performance, and it's unfounded, they're responsible for your attorney fees. If that, if that happened, it would break up these Bullshit complaints, because I'm telling you, that's what they are. And you get a lot of bullshit complaints, mm-hmm. and, and you have to respond to every single one and
2: of bar, them. And bark complaints are just like sh- that, too. And,
1: and it was very annoying, I mean, the because little... it was just constant onslaught of complaints. But I, I'll say this. When I was a cop, my supervisor said, you know how I can tell who's working the hardest on my shift? is Skinner because he gets the most complaints on him. And it's the same way, if you're moving 7,000 cases through your courtroom a year, you're gonna get complaints on you, you know? Oh yeah. Some of them are legit, some of them are not legit. You know, I had somebody ask me one time, they said, you know, judicial performance. said, do you cuss in the courtroom? I said, hell yeah. And they said, why do you cuss in the courtroom? You're not supposed to do that. I said, I know who my audience is. I said, you don't know who my audience is. So one of them came down there and sat in my court one day and i yes i used a few superlatives and when she she came up to me after court and she said i get it you're good i'll have the kids changed over the years oh they've gotten worse you know
2: you, i remember I, sitting in your courtroom just the what, one time i sat in there there's that one guy and he's in um prison now yeah, so i'll say his in, name yeah. stevie turner yes oh, and that guy yeah. was sitting there i mean he was steven cold. steven
1: had a uh he had that far away look in his eye. There was nothing Stone there. Stone cold. Yeah, there was nothing there.
2: And there's was and another... I don't remember his you know, name. he was in
1: jail for murder. He's in prison for murder. Murder? I think he's in there for
2: murder. No, I, I think it's some serious armed robbery and well, burglaries. I thought
1: it was carjacking. That too. Uh, I, I don't thought think it was... It wasn't a homicide? I thought he went there I don't for think homicide.
2: So. Madison, Madison got him for some Yeah, I remember they happened. get him because they had him on video. But there was another guy that day in that same in the courtroom that same time. And I'll never forget his mother crying his her eyes out. She had brought her turned him into you. because yeah. she couldn't do anything with she's trying, she can't yeah. do anything with him, lived over off that Clinton Boulevard. Yeah. And you know, and his mother crying actually upset him. I mean, he he knew he'd screwed up. Oh, yeah. And you could see okay, and you see that that might be the kid that if he wants to, can be saved. Yeah. But this guy over here, his, I think his mama was there too didn't affect him yeah. one bit.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. No, you know, and, and sure and you enough, get those kids. Not even
2: three months after he turns eighteen when you had to cut him loose. What happened? He gets busted yeah. at Northeast Jackson well, you know, for burglaries. The thing is, you know,
1: you know, after you've been doing that a while, you can tell when they come in the courtroom. I mean, right off the bat, I mean my, my court staff know, could pick him out a mile
2: away. Back in the nineties when Giles Bryant was murdered, he was an assistant attorney I general. Giles. Yeah, and he I was knew murdered him. over in Fondren. Yeah. And one of the see, killers, a cop then. Yeah. And one of the killers was a thirteen year old. And I forget the name. And he's now dead but everybody freaked out back then he was 13 years old it made the papers for several days it just it shocked everybody now we routinely see these 14 15 16 year old kids carjacking raping right. kidnapping i had murdering. a prelim on a 13 I mean, or 14 geez. year
1: old, old girl that her and her a brother and a, another friend lured a guy over there and killed him and she's in jail for murder and uh you know, they wanted me to set a bind on her. I said, I'm not. not I'm not setting a bind on her because this girl's a danger. I mean, she's a danger. Yeah. I mean, she had that look too. And and you can, you know, the the, the sad thing is, after you do what I did for a while, mm. you, you can spot these kids, and you can you, you know you, and you listen to their parents, and you can pick up bullshit from bullshit.
2: You know. Well, how do you how do you solve the absent father problem? Because if the, I mean, forget what the media types say. The people on CNN and MSNBC and all those types, and the you know what here in town, you know, but when you talk to the cops, when you talk to the judges, when you talk to all of them, they all say the same thing no father in the home. No father. How do you solve that problem? Well, what do you do? We pay mothers to have children without a father. Okay. I
1: mean, we pay them. Yeah. I mean, we support that lifestyle. If you quit supporting that lifestyle, it'll it'll stop it. And we don't hold fathers accountable. You don't have. Okay, how would you hold them accountable? Well, child protection services—if the mother knows who the father is—they're supposed to go after them and uh, hold them accountable, do child support, and 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 that's not happening. They're overwhelmed; they can't even keep up. At one time, they contracted out with some private lawyers to do it. I remember remember when the private attorneys tell me said, "Hell, we can't, we can't keep up. We can't even make a dent in this." Yeah, and uh, so you know, there's no
2: accountability on that part. And that's that's probably the biggest reason kids wind up in trouble they fail in school relationship problems you know well i'm gonna tell you and you know it's like you can't get the teachers unions to discuss it or anything you can't get the leaders to really discuss it when's the last time we made this an initiative anywhere in this state we really haven't let's be honest well you know and it's like we don't even discuss it but yet it's the biggest thing out there that drives the problem and we're talking like I mean, the whites are like 40%, 45% or so in Mississippi, but the blacks are like 75%. Yeah, yeah 65%. but then when you get a lot of counties, and then Hines County high. is one of them. Holmes County? Like, I <laughs> remember, right. I think it was uh, Tallahatchie was like 90. You're talking some counties are like 90%. Yeah. 90%. Think about that. Most, almost all the kids in the counties, some of these counties have no father or a married father. Now, some well, of them are, you know what, they they live, they just don't get married. And we both know people who do That's that, right. you know? But there's just way too many. Well, there's a lot of fathers that are divorced that take care of their children. Yeah, And
1: and, and that makes a difference. But look, this is what we've done wrong. One, there's no—we've encouraged this. The second thing is we've given kids a toolbox with absolutely one thing in that toolbox, uh-huh. a gun. You step on my foot, I shoot your ass. You, and you, you're seeing it more and more. Oh, yeah. And so we, we have not teached taught kids in school or anywhere else how to deal with this you know every day when kids get out of school they walk past a half dozen churches on their way home all of them are locked up yeah and and so the churches are not involved with these kids now these preachers get out here well let's have a walk let's walk you walk to your damn tennis shoes fall How about apart. knocking on your neighborhood doors but it ain't going to work. What they need to do is open their doors to these kids in the afternoon, give them a place to go, encouraging these kids. The Boys Club used to be very successful. We used to have a program with the Boys Club. We sent 60 kids to the Boys Club. We had one child out of that 60 that got arrested again. One. Does that program and still exist now no, or not? Billy Red ran the program, and it was a hell of a program. It ran good, but they wouldn't fund it anymore. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't it because obvious reasons. You know, you had a white guy running the program and most of these mm-hmm. kids in there were I black. I think
2: there were some other reasons too. But
1: but you know, the, the thing is it was a successful program. These kids would come there after school, they would help them with their homework,
2: mm-hmm. they would help
1: them with all this stuff, they would take them home, they would feed them, and so these kids had something to look forward to. Well, the churches could do the same thing, and it it wouldn't eliminate all of it, but it would help. Well, here, and here's I'll the tell r- you what's not gonna help is when you have three man down basketball in the afternoon and think you're gonna get these thugs that are riding around shooting up everybody to come play basketball basketball that ain't gonna work two
2: things on that one about the basketball i've had the police explain that to me okay what they and i used to laugh at you know like when limbaugh would make jokes about midnight basketball i'd laugh at that too but the police would explain it to me say look these kids are on the streets period they don't have parents forget they don't have a mom in the home they don't have parents period okay when we're doing this with them they're getting to know us but we can watch them we have them in a somewhat controlled environment and they're they're under our supervision So And it's better than just letting them run wild on the streets. I get that.
1: I get that. But let me say this, the Mm -hmm. kids that are committing the crimes are not going to go to basketball. They're not.
2: I understand that. They're not. You've got to get them at a young age. But the followers might. Yeah, you might get some that do that. And it's the followers. You're always going to have the wolves out there, but the wolves attract the sheep, but you're trying to keep the sheep away from the wolves. You see what I
1: mean? You've got to start with a young age. And the churches are set up for that. They could do that. But but they don't want to do that because if there's no money in it for the pastors, and I had a lot of pastors approach me and say, "Look, we'll be glad to do that. How much is it going to pay us for each kid you send us?" Thank you. And I say, "You've lost your damn mind. That's what you're supposed to be well, in the service for." And but I, you you're know, you're on
2: the right track. Here's what, and you see the charter schools doing this, like over in Helena they do this, and Reimagined does this. And Reim- well, you know, we supported
1: Reimagined. I know. Hang on, you know, it was a good school.
2: They. Your educational system does not reflect this reality. They're expecting the kids to come in there. The parents have already gotten them somewhat literate for pre K, for I mean, for kindergarten, first grade, et cetera. And if they're not, they fall behind, etc. And there's no, a lot of times, you know, Forrest Thigpen, you know, would say it's up to the parents. Well, Forrest, well, if there are no parents, that's what you're dealing yeah, with. Let's it. be honest, okay? No parents. I agree. Now, having said that, what they would do is keep the kids in school till five or so. Not, and I don't mean after school care, I mean a real curriculum. You're in school till five o'clock, period. And then they would have enrichment saturdays where the kids could come to the school on saturdays and when they would shut the doors like in the afternoon i think usually late afternoon they're having to push those kids out the school sometimes well, that's,
1: that's why the boys club was so i mean successful you, uh, but you assume, what, I mean, what oh, yeah. I mean is that's okay exactly you do like.
2: your like maybe you do your academics Okay, one o'clock, two o'clock, early, mid afternoon, you start doing your arts, your PE's, that sort of thing. And then like what Reimagine would do, they would break out and have small group reading classes. So it, you know, you not just have thirty kids sitting there watching one teacher. They'd break it down to small groups. You know, they would they you know, they'd experiment with it. Yeah. That's what you need. Meanwhile, I would sit there to reimagine There's an apartment complex, you know, right right next to it. And the school, the JPS school bus stops at like 3 o'clock, 2.30, 3 3 o'clock. The kids all jump out. They run to all four corners, and they're not touching the book the rest of the day. That's it. Whereas whereas these kids are in school school again. Well,
1: that's what was successful about the boys' club. They would pick the kids up from school. They would take them to the boys' club. They would feed them a snack. They would go over their homework with them. Then they would do games and do these other things. Then they would feed them again. And they would take them home. See, I don't
2: even want them going to the boys' club. <clears throat> I want them staying right there. I mean, they're there. Yeah. Oh, now that would be fine. Now, I don't mind do importing it. the would boys' it? club into it.
1: Well, but the other issue with but the, the issue going, going with this? Yeah. I mean,
2: basically you're giving them a structure and giving them stability. Kids and crave that. Them. Kids crave
1: structure. But let me say this uh, you know, the schools are at fault too because you can have a kid show out in school. Oh, yeah. And the first thing they want to do is kick them out. And then they end up down to the detention center. And, and that's an issue because the school <clears throat> doesn't know anything about this kid. Is this kid on any kind of medication? What's his mental health background? They don't, they're not looking at this. And they need to, the schools need to have somebody or they need to do it as a whole. Look at this kid's background. What is his mental health issues he's dealing with? And, and address those issues. You cannot kick out every child that shows out in school because what's going to happen? They're going to end up on my no, adult docket down in But range. then you
2: wind up with that kid, though, is raising, causing problems in the class, and he's just running the learning experience for everybody else, yeah, too. Yeah, but
1: if you've got a, a, another room for kids that are like that, mm-hmm. and you put them together, kids will try a teacher in a heartbeat. They used to do it down to the detention oh, yeah. center all the time. And when they found out that that teacher wasn't going to give up on them and they wasn't going to get kicked out, mm-hmm. they sat down and they learned. I had some smart kids graduate uh, the detention center down there, smart kids. Uh-huh. And you know, I'll go back to Jody Owens. He raised hell about one of the kids I had in there. This kid was about six foot seven. He could have played baseball or foot basketball anywhere in the state. And he had a brother that was a just hoodlum. This kid had been in the detention center since he was twelve years old, on and off. When he finally <clears throat> got to the seventh birthday, Jody Owens threw a fit. And so we ended up having to let him out, and he came. He wrote me a nice letter. I still got the letter to the house saying, "You have saved my life. Had it not been for you, I'd have been dead a long time ago." A week later, he was dead. He got in a stolen car. Wow. A week he got in a stolen car with his brother, flipped it over there off Lynch Street and Highway 80 and killed him. And uh, you know, it, the, a week later when I saw Jody Ellen, I said, "Don't you feel good about yourself?" Well, you know, and but the sad thing is. It, Jody Owens didn't see that part. I would have kids that would leave the detention center would walk back up there two days later and say, well, you put me back in here. I don't have nowhere to go. Uh-huh. And, you know, what do you do? I mean, you have to do something. And then I'd have kids in my drug court that say, look, Judge, uh, don't send me back. Where, you know, they live in South Jackson off Woody Drive or somewhere. And one of them specifically lived. on. He said, if you send me back there, they're going to kill me. Because he said I'm drug free right now. I'm not in a gang. But if you send me back there, I'm going to be dead.
2: You have no environment to go back to. And so we had
1: to figure out where we going to put these kids. And that's you know that's a lot of stress when you're dealing with the staff. It's a lot of stress on that kid, the child that got killed down there in front of the detention center. His mom was they had let him out of the detention center without a court order. Let released him, and of course he goes down there and gets killed, and uh, at the oil company right there.
2: And you you almost ask if. You know, and, and what so, would a boarding school work, a, so, pub- a public boarding school,
1: you know, they I mean, need they need that structure in their life. Oakley at one time <clears throat> when I was growing up, Oakley was a trade screw. So if you screwed up and you went to Oakley, you were there a year, but you learned a trade. You learned how to cut hair. You auto paint and body. Machinist and stuff. something. That's right. And when you got out. So you had a trade. So you didn't have the high recidivism rate right now. The recidivism rates off the charts. What happened to that program? And did away with it. They said you couldn't do it. Who was who they? Of course, the government. You know, the government. The comes feds? In and, the oh, Justice yeah, the Department? the come in. Justice Department came in and said, well, no, you can't do that. What problem. was the um, excuse? And for- I, don't, I don't remember exactly what the excuse was, but the Justice
2: Department, you know, this— Do you think the pendulum might be swinging the other way on that? Not now. Not under this administration. Not under the current administration. And having these kids actually learn trades? I would say it might be. Oh, it'd be great. I mean, we would ask... I mean, whom, you're what? starting to see a change of thought among how to treat prisoners, including the juvies, which is they need to teach, learn something oh, yeah. so they can take care well, of themselves. Well, that
1: was one of the things that we would ask them. One of the things that One about thing about Tate Reeves
2: did, thank goodness, was I think, I'm starting to see, was bringing Burl Kane over here. Yeah. Because Marshall Fisher, we all know his method. Basically, fuck the prisoners, throw away the key and I'm going to be tough on crime. You know, crime. and I
1: friends, and he is tough on crime. I mean, he is a hardcore tough he is
2: hardcore, crime. but you have hardcore, but you can't be hardcore all the time either.
1: Well, you know, this is the issue I
2: have. Sorry, you and I we, are going to disagree on this. Well, okay? <laughs> we,
1: we, we send people to Parchment all the time, and when they get out, we put them right back on the street. They do need trades. They do yeah. need those things, and they need – you know, the federal courts have got uh, – what do you call it program where they uh you know, they're assigned to a federal judge and they come in and for a year they're assigned to that judge. They have to work, they have to do all these different things. And at the end of that year they're released and uh they're successful. It's cut down mm-hmm. on their recidivism rate.
2: We could do that with a well, stakeholders. Talk, go talk to you know, Brian Bailey, what he does oh, with yeah. his sheriff's office out there. I mean. yeah. I had a friend of mine, um his her kid, he had an opioid problem. Gets busted out there. And the whole goal was to keep his ass out of parchment Yeah. because once he got an NBOC, he had gotten off the drugs while he was out there and ranking. But once he got an MBOC, he is probably going to get back on the drugs again. I know people.
1: Oh, you get better drugs at MBOC. Oh, the detention yeah. Center you can on I know street.
2: people who got on drugs at MDOC. I know, in fact, I know one attorney, won't say his name here, someone you know well. When his son got out a few years ago, first, they, he went directly from there to Region 8. Yeah. He got hooked on the drugs at, at you know, MDOC. At, at
1: the University of Parks, And But Brian
2: them. has got a whole nice program, you know, for his prisoners out there yeah. that are in their serving well, I know that. Uh, and yeah, he's got a pretty good GD program. The, till, the parole board yeah. working
1: on some stuff like that right now that there's, you know they're trying to do that. Yeah. But, you know, funding is everything
2: one of the things that
1: works is drug courts you know I, I ran the biggest drug court in the state and uh, uh, adult and youth mm-hmm. drug court and we're very successful I think we won every award you can win but th- the significance of drug court is not sending somebody with a drug problem to parchment because when they get out of parchment they still have a drug problem you know the, the the hope with drug court is to rehabilitate them have them job have a GED and so they don't uh, you know, fall back into that trap again, and it works. It's successful. You made a comment about uh, Marshall Fisher when he was at uh, Department. I mean, at uh, State Bureau of Narcotics. I invited him to a drug court graduation, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he thought drug court was a hug a thug program. I mean, that's what he's called it, the hug a thug program. So Marshall came to my adult drug court graduation. I had a guy that was mid sixties that was graduating the drug court. And so I would always give the parents, whether it was adult drug court or youth drug court, get up an opportunity to stand up and say something about their child. So I asked if anybody, if, you know, if his mother wanted to say something. Now, she was in her 80s. So this lady jumps up from the back of the courtroom. We're in Tommy Green's courtroom doing drug court. And she starts singing and comes down there to the mic. And, she, and you know, Marshall Fisher's kind of taken aback by this. Everybody was. And she stands up there. She said, this is the first time My son had been sober since he was 12 years old. And so (laughs) it was (laughs) not a dry eye in the place. And Marshall Fisher was sitting there going, damn, I get it. And he told me after that, he said, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And he never called drug court a hug a thug program again and was a big proponent of drug courts after that. And it was amazing to me that I'd have, you know, uh, agents come in my court all the time and say, Look, does this guy qualify for drug court? And, and had, that, had we not, and Marshall not seen that, they wouldn't have been coming to me wanting to put people in drug court. And it was a successful program. Now, what hurt Hines County Drug Court at that time was they had a pretrial diversion program. They didn't want to stick anybody in drug court because they could charge them $200 a month in the DA's office and not have to put them in drug court. Of course, they didn't drug test them. They didn't follow up with them, and these kids were— And
2: then we had certain friends of certain judges who were making money off the ankle bracelets and the monitoring.
1: Well, and let me tell you, you know, her and I went to battle over that because they thought they were going to tell me who I was going to use, and I didn't use them. Because half their bracelets didn't work. Half of them wasn't turned on. Nobody was following And then up how
2: many them. times have they been arrested, committing the oh, murder, yeah. Re- carjacking, whatever, well, and they got a bracelet? Well,
1: this is my other—I got an issue with Jody about that because they're doing pretrial diversion. And then, you know, Jody said, well, we got this many people in pretrial diversion. What Jody is not telling you, how many people in that pretrial diversion are committing crimes while they're in pretrial diversion? Because, one, nobody's following up with these people as long as they're paying that money every month, they're good. It's when they quit paying that money, it's when they go out there looking for them. You know And so I have an issue with some of those programs. Pre-trial diversion might be good if you ran it like a drug court, you know where these people have to get their GED, they have to be drug tested on a regular basis. You have to do treatment. But one of the things we did when I first got up the drug court, Nobody was looking at underlying issues. Nobody was seeing if these people are bipolar or anything else. So we started getting psychological evaluations on these people. And if you try to send somebody to drug court and you try to send them to rehab and they have not had, uh, and if they're bipolar, you've wasted your time. Because first thing you got to do is treat any psychological problem they're having before you can treat a drug problem. Because if you don't,
2: You got the drug problem. That's right.
1: And it cycle doesn't stop. So we started doing it. We we got we won a horizon award from the National Drug Court Association because we did that. And now that's common practice with most drug courts around the country now. Wow. And so you know, that was one of the things we looked at. And and when, you know, someone calls me and says, Bill, want you run drug court? You know, Well, yes, sir. uh, But I did my homework. I went back and started researching some of the best drug courts in the country. What were they doing different than these other drug courts? And Brenda Mathis, who was probably the smartest drug court person I've ever met, coordinator, Brenda knew these people. She knew Uh how to talk to them and and a lot of people that come in drug court have been sexually abused as a child or physically abused and so you're dealing with yeah, the drugs issues.
2: are usually just a small piece That's of it. a very well, big what puzzle they're,
1: what they're treating usually people are self-medicating to treat other issues yeah. they dealt with and so you have to deal with those issues before you can deal with the drug problem and brenda recognized that i recognized it and my whole staff that worked with us recognized that so we were successful and you have to do the same thing in youth court and you say well you got a 14 year old in, in drug court what kind of issues would they have? Well, they would, A lot of these kids are sexually abused it, and physically yeah. abused. And so they're dealing with the same issues an adult would have. And we're just catching them at an earlier age. Oh, yeah. And so it was successful. We're not doing stuff like that. Nobody is thinking outside the box right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just running the numbers. And then we got out there and we brag, well, we, we cleared this many cases or we did this many. You know, well, the problem is you're still seeing these people over and over and over again. How many times have you posted on Jackson Jambalaya the same name of people over and over and over More again? More than
2: I care to count. That's
1: right. Because we're not addressing the issue to start with. And, and, and mm-hmm. when you... When you give a guy five years and you suspend five years, and then you don't think you're going to see him again with no follow up, that that's living in a
2: fantasy land. Oh, I mean the case that bur- the most recent case that burned me. There's two that burned me up. One was Barack Patton, Houston's nephew. Yeah, and John Brown's nephew. Yeah, and you know he gets picked up for armed robbery. Him and his he already had a he was already indicted for a couple of felonies. He gets picked up, him and his his boys. They're going around with their ski masks and their shotguns, robbing convenience stores in your area, the Clinton area. And they um, get picked up. They get indicted. Then the case just disappears. Then January of last year, they did the same crap all over again. He did the same crap all over again. Got arrested, but, you know, the case just Just disappeared. He never got indicted. Never got presented to a grand jury, and this is Robert was the DA just disappeared. Then, when we finally found out about this little schmuck, this little thug, is when he may of that year last year rapes a fourteen-year-old girl, and from what I heard, that was a pretty brutal rape too. And I mean, Lee Vance actually wound up talking to the father, and it was he said it was he actually knew the father was pretty rough, and. You know and i'll give jody credit when we brought this to his attention i mean he, he 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 moved his ass on it yeah i mean but this guy had just been turned loose time and time and he kept getting worse and worse and worse he's well, gone well why off. wouldn't he well There's exactly no accountability. you can just see the you That's can just right. see the progression and the other one was the chelsea kirsten case where the poor girl was murdered in a fortification oh, yeah. I remember and the it's case. like everybody did the initial appearance you sure did. Were in court and room. everybody conspired Either intentionally or through negligence, to try to get those killers off. Oh, they raised hell at me because Robert, I denied his bond. Robert, Oh no, through a fit. Robert would not use the felony murder rule to go after these two, which he had. He would have gotten convictions. So you end up with a situation where two guys are pointing the fingers at each other. He killed her. No, she killed her. You know. Well, that's why you have felony murder.
1: Well, you know, they raised hell at me because I I wouldn't give them a covered, bond. You know, and and,
2: and but the, the worst was part constant. was though this this one guy read, he had been out of mdoc for about a month or so on a carjacking charge he had a seven-year suspended sentence on him and you know nobody would go try to revoke it and they finally did like but they were like a month or so late past the deadline then tommy green there i mean everybody tried to keep these guys on the streets yeah and, and that's and exactly what happened you know nobody went to jail nobody went to prison i mean for actually killing the poor driver that poor schmuck I mean, he got 30 years, the driver, yeah. but nobody has gone to, is going to prison for killing her, period. Oh, I Unless know. one of them fucks up and confesses somewhere along the way, which it you may never happen. know. Yeah, it may they happen. get stupid. Well, you know, you know, I took a lot of heat that over guy, that because I denied all one of them. One of them gets and, arrested one day and is in jail and, you know, hasn't bonded out and says it to an informant and, you know, something like that, but... Nobody is going to go to prison now, and I see all of this stuff, social justice stuff in the media, especially the Clarion-Ledger now, blah, blah, blah. I don't read that Not trash. Not one motherfucking state, anybody in this damn town made an issue of nobody going to prison for killing that poor girl. I don't know. Nothing. I don't read that trash, and, and I, I've gotten to where no, I don't but pay I mean, attention, attention to it. Right. None, well, none, none of the did. TV stations did no. Newspaper did. None of them did. They couldn't care. Now, a few months later, after all that, we had this person killed, I think it was earlier this year, who was transgender. I'm pretty sure the person who killed that person didn't know what they were, you know? Yeah. Probably didn't know. But Lord, the newspaper had to make a big deal of that. Well, what about the other person over here? But, you know, that's just the times we live in now, you know? And
1: it is, and it's sad because, you know, every person, every victim, and their families deserve justice, and it's not happening And anymore. I see
2: it. And you're seeing it over Well, and let me tell you, that was more. part of the reason. I mean, like that poor girl who was killed got in an argument at the end bar, and Tommy Green had let out. Oh, she'd been in my a, court. Yeah, for fifty thousand, really. Oh yeah, wow. she
1: grew up in my court. Yeah,
2: all, all my, staff oh, yeah. Uh, my staff knew her by name. I heard she was a number. Oh yeah, my staff knew her by name. I mean, and if the folks don't know it, if the folks don't know it, she was released on a murder bond for fifty thousand dollars. For something for murdering Clinton, and then while she's out on bond, she gets an argument, and and they would say, Oh, it was at the parking lot adjacent to the M bar, so it didn't happen bull- there. It M-bar, started there and yeah. it ended on 220. Yeah. So to me, it's an M bar murder, okay? Yeah. It's just like if an argument started at the dock and finished over across the reservoir, it was, you know, yeah. So anyway, you know, and that poor girl should not have been. I mean, that the woman who murdered allegedly murdered should have been in jail. <laughs> with no bond. That's right. Well, that was... You know, you know and I put I that went, on Tommy Green. I went to
1: war a lot of times because uh, I would uh, Did be, you and
2: Green go to war much? Uh, every
1: day. About? She sent me letters saying that... This is what we, is that, what we uh, really want to hear. You're setting uh, bonds too high, you're doing this, or doing that, and you know what I did with those letters. They went straight into the paper shredder. I didn't I don't pay attention to that because she had no authority she really got on to you for sitting by oh, she nearby. didn't she didn't get on me because she can kiss my my happy well, ass well like what would she say well I mean she'd say uh you know the this is uh you know the, these people are entitled to bond and all that stuff well they're not when it's a capital murder charge Tommy you know if it's commissioned an armed robbery if uh, this so I wouldn't set a bond on them. she'd get pissed off at me mm-hmm. and so she sent this letter saying you know we need to do this we're under this consent decree we got to reduce, reduce the population and the jail. I said, "That's your problem. I don't care. I'll stack them like cordwood in here before I let these killers back on the street to kill somebody, uh-huh. my family." And you know, and so I didn't pay attention to Tommy Green. She had no authority over me. She can do what she, she thought she to. did. Well, she didn't. And, no, you know, she knew she didn't. She right. knew she didn't have any authority. That's why Tommy Green hated my guts. That's why most of them. I didn't. One thing you ought to know about me, I didn't kiss nobody's ass, and I didn't kiss nobody's ring. So that's why was, when you was,
2: say, well, Skinner was crazy, well, th- that's why they said I was crazy, because I didn't kiss nobody's ass. And it was interesting how she manipulated the system because, for example, one little secret was, I mean, there's this little conception because, well, if it's a black judge, they're going to be soft on crime most of the time. If it's a white judge, they're not, and, and a lot of people in Hines County, black and white, think that, you know, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, Gowan. And people would assume, oh, he's, oh, he's white. He's going to be tough on crime. Well, not so fast. Well, let me tell you this. Gowan I, I, was actually pretty soft. And every time Tommy had a dispute with anybody, guess who side Gowan always yeah. took? Well, did you ever notice he didn't have opponents? You think yeah. that was some accident? Uh, you, you, did, did you, how, <laughs> you know where why, I'm going with this. Why do
1: you think I always had an opponent? Why do you think when yeah. he did have an opponent with Malcolm Harrison, a week later he withdrew from that race and got in my race. Oops, you know, sorry. I mean Tommy Green put him in my race. She put all these people in my race. Yeah. I could care less. Her and Benny Thompson to me are right there together. I could care less about either one. I didn't. I didn't get elected by Tommy Green. You know I got 38 percent of the black vote in my district. Uh-huh. Uh, you know that's pretty good. Most people don't get that. Uh-uh. That are white. You know why? Because they like what I was doing. Yeah. And, and they like my court and they trusted and you, and me and you paid attention to and your district. When, you know this is one thing you got to learn when you're a judge you, you have to listen to people not for response but to hear what they're actually saying too many judges and too many people listen to people thinking they're going to respond this is how i'm going to respond when they get through talking well you can't do that you got to listen to what they say and in a that courtroom that's that's important not one parent ever walked out of my when i first got elected I was down there, my bailiff, Donnie Burns, he's dead now, he died of cancer. But Donnie came up to me, he said, look, Judge, he said, you know, I don't wanna give you any advice, but I'm gonna give you advice, because we grew up together. He grew up a street over from me. And Dinny said, big guy, monster. And he said, Bill, he said, "Uh, will you do one thing that the other judges that that come down here don't do? Would you please explain to these parents what you do, or what's happening to their child? Because when when I walk out, these parents always say, what just happened? And so I never had a parent that would walk out of there. When they come back in, i say, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I got it. Now, if I had to drop a superlative or two when I was talking to them <laughs> to make sure they understand it, I, I, they did it. And those kids understood. I'd say, well, now you know, you're going out on probation. If you get arrested again, your ass is going to jail and you're not getting another bond. You understand. So when they would get arrested again, they'd come back in there in front of the public defender. I said, now, what did I tell you? Judge, you told me that if I, my ass got arrested again is I was on bond, I wouldn't get another bond. I said, are we done here today? Yes, sir. You told me. And the public defender would go, but, 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 and the kid would go, what? I, he told me, and I got arrested, <laughs> you know? So they understood. Right. And and it worked. It was successful. And, you know, I get calls from public defenders now that were in my court that go, God, we miss you. Because I didn't let them have trials. You don't have a trial at a preliminary hearing, you yeah. know? And, and they're having full trials now. They're calling witnesses. And the, pr-
2: and the problem with that, folks, is when the judge does that – the police, a lot of times, they haven't taken the case to grand jury yet, so they're trying they're to hold even, back. That's right. They're trying not to tip their case to the defense. So their hands are tied behind their backs, literally, because they have to withhold a lot of evidence, a lot of stuff they know, while the judge is trying to figure out some way, I'm going to try to put this guy back on the street. That's it. You mentioned a name earlier, <laughs> Benny Thompson. Oh, yeah. Well, am I, am now, <laughs> his name was brought up recently in the news in relation to you, oh yeah, I could well, do a lead in here. Our I could goes do, way back. I could <laughs> do a little setup here, but I'm just going to let you start. You know what happened last week? Uh,
1: last week, I received several phone calls and uh, ultimately ended up talking to John Solomon, who is uh, just news. You know, most people have probably seen him on uh, uh, Fox News on Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity. And uh, he did a lengthy uh, story on Benny Thompson and his connection with the Republic of New Africa. And for
2: those of you who don't know— now, hold on. Uh, why would he be interested in that right now? Well, Benny— That's cha- pretty old stuff. Yeah, he's, so he, he, why he chairs the I committee mean, on
1: the— uh, Insurrection is what they're calling it, or the riot that happened at the Capitol. January 6th, basically. January 6th riot. And so Benny chairs that committee. And Benny has tried to come across chairing this committee as a pro law enforcement uh, representative. And so what they did was a story of Benny's connection with the Republic of New Africa that goes back to 1971, which ties in with me. My father was killed in. August 19, 1971, by a Republican New Africa in a shootout on uh, Lewis Street. And um, Benny Thompson was uh, an ally of everybody involved in that time. And a week after the uh, shootout, when they arrested, Mro obedele and all the ones involved mm-hmm. in that benny thompson held a press conference saying that the police deserve what they got they shouldn't have raided the house I really said that oh yeah if you uh, go to john solomon's website and you read and, and you look at that what he wrote there is a i was he's going to link it. it
2: today on my website yeah. The problem is sometimes the news intervenes and well we had this little yeah. situation on Capitol, Capitol Street. So, yeah. yeah. Well he uh, local you know, like that will always trump. Well,
1: well if you read the first article John Solomon wrote he went into a great detail about the Republic of New Africa you know, where they were formed, and then he ties it in at the end with Benny Thompson. Well, they contacted me and asked me if I would talk about it, and I said, yeah, because I really hadn't talked about it since I was a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I just didn't talk about any of that stuff. What was it like to talk about it? It was interesting because, you know, I, the only person I really cathartic? ever talked about it to me. Yeah, it's hard to talk about no, it. No, I said stuff. cathartic. Um, no?
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> I understand. But, you know, it was just an interesting you know when you start thinking about all that stuff when you're 12 years old because you don't never I mean this stuff lives with you your whole life if you've got a father who's killed in the line of duty or if you've got a mother that was killed in the line of duty I mean that's that's something you know every time a police officer gets killed in the line of duty in this country I mean it's you relive this stuff over and over it never goes away and uh you know I was 12 years old when my father got killed one brother was 10 and one was 8 well John Solomon interviewed me for his, his podcast and um uh, we talked probably for about an hour. I think he edited it down to about 20 or 30 minutes to fit in his timeline. But, uh, you know, we go into some of that, and Benny Thompson's connection to that. And, you know, we talk about me growing up. And, uh, you know, all three of, my, of us, my, you know, uh, myself, my younger brother, and my youngest brother, all three ended up being law enforcement officers. We all, uh, you know, both of them retired from law enforcement. I got hurt in the line of duty, and so I, was, I took an early out and uh went to law school and if you don't think god's got a sense of humor and got elected judge so you know it worked out good Mm -hmm. but that was my passion all of us were in law enforcement and uh you know every opponent i've ever had benny thompson dumped a ton of money on him to try to beat me it didn't matter who it was you know he's always had this thing for my uh,
2: go, go back to because What exactly, elaborate what Benny Thompson was doing with RNA back then. Because that's kind of escaped. Yeah, Benny Thompson was uh, an alderman over in
1: Bolton at the time. Mm -hmm. His connection was M.R. Obadele. Henry is what his last name was. So, you know, I don't like to call him by his, uh, you know, his fake African name because he was not from Africa. But the RNA's goal was to make uh, a country out of the southern states. Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Georgia, What we now call the Cush Plan. Yeah. And so they wanted to succeed from the United States, and um, they had their own constitution, drew up their own stuff. They were a paramilitary unit.
2: I mean, people got mad when Chalkway's dad ran for mayor, and I yeah. put a Confederate little battle hat on his Head, yeah, has some fun with that. Well, you know, he, but, was, but, he was a
1: but, second vice. He was a vice president of the right. RNA. Uh,
2: but the thing was, ultimately, that's what these guys were. I called them a neo Confederate of sorts, because what they were were secessionists. Yeah. Well, they, uh, you know, Chuck I mean, that's just like the Confederates were. I
1: find it ironic. You know, He every time he would be have a case, it would, you know, he had a client that would be in my court, he had always asked me to recuse myself. And then, you know, back then, you remember Charles Tisdale. He had views oh, yeah. from the black side on Friday night. Well, they would get on there every night, and every time I ran for office, you know. I'd, Skinner had killed 21 people. Skinner killed 13 people when he was on 15. And team. if you Skinner wanted to
2: hear that. the Wildest Conspiracy stuff, that, that was, that was oh, the look, show they, you listen to. Oh, look, they had me, I mean, you know, they
1: would talk about me, which was, you know, kind of funny because when I'd go somewhere, everybody's scared to death of me because they thought I'd killed all these people. One night, they had 11 mothers on there said, yeah, he killed my baby. when he, you know, so, And I was going, look, guys, if I'd have done what they said I'd done, I'd be in Hollywood making movies, you know. But, you know, Benny Thompson was tied up in all that. Uh, when they raided the house on Lewis Street, Obedele wasn't there, he was at Benny Thompson's house. And so, you know, Benny Thompson said he didn't, he didn't meet Obedele until 1974. Well, the fact is, in 1971, a week after this, when my father was shot and killed, Benny Thompson doing a press conference, and when you when you if you link that to your website, you'll see there's a little clip on there with Benny Thompson making that statement. Mm -hmm. He said the police were involved for raiding it, and so if you you know, so you know how does a man get up there and say he's pro police over this quote unquote insurrection? That's what they call it. I don't call it that, but they you know they get up there and say this, and he acts like he's. I think it's a
2: honestly. I think it's a riot that got out of control. I think so, out of too. Hand. And, and, and this is the deal. And I think you have some... And You saw this with Oklahoma City when you had that nut job over there and his little friends, Nichols, do what they did. They just couldn't help themselves. They had to go just tar one whole side. And some of that goes on both sides. I mean, just because someone is black and protesting does not mean they're a freaking radical who wants to cut out the that's police right. altogether. You know, but that's just what we are in today. But to me... I'm kind of like Castillo on this in Miami Vice. You know, when you had that situation where the cops were whacking the drug dealers or extorting them and then the drug dealers were retaliating, but it was all driven by the crooked cops. And what did Castillo say about how the natural order of the streets had been disturbed? (coughs) You know, and you know what I'm talking about. Here, once you started giving up control of the streets doesn't matter to who, but you started giving up control of the streets, be it to Black Lives Matter, to Antifa, whatever, then you're going to get cases like Rittenhouse up north. That's right. And may, hey, and that kid may get convicted if they come up with some evidence showing he was shot at first and he gets all fine. But the point was, if you haven't been giving up control of the streets, that would have never happened in the first place. It's like in Starship Troopers. Did you ever read that book? Yeah. You know, where the guy... Dex the officer, you know, and they court martial him and all whatever whatever they did to him, they punish him, and then they have a review afterwards. And the company commander tells that drill sergeant says, "Your goal is to prevent it from ever getting to the point where he even takes a swing at you in the first place, and that's where you fucked up." Well, you, you know, know I mean, exactly you see where we're going with this? To yeah. me, this is. Because I know some readers, listeners are going to hear this and go, oh, I knew, I just knew it about Kingfish. No, you gave up control of the streets, period. Don't complain to me when it didn't go the way you want, because once you did that, you invited chaos to come in there. And let's be honest, there were requests for, you know, hey, to the Capitol Police, hey, we can have the guard help. You can get more people in here. And they denied it. You, and they, they denied they it. That's right. They didn't you know, want it. Now, here's the thing Benny Thompson's doing right now. And... Benny Thompson at first wanted to prosecute some of these congressmen, and he was saying for voting not to certify That's the right. election. Okay, and he was running his mouth off a lot till yours truly posted on his website when went back and dug up the Bush elections, and guess who voted against certification for Bush? Right, him. You're right. And all of a sudden, right. Benny shut up.
1: That's right.
2: Well, you know, Benny was, shut up about that. Well, what's getting me? But about now, this what he's trying to do? Hang on, sorry, but he's also trying to subpoena all the. Con- all the Republican phone congressman's phone yeah. records, yeah. which frankly he has no business getting a hold of. Period. Well, and I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, you're, I'm all for and that. You know what? If he'll give up you his phone what? records if they were trying to do that to Benny. <laughs> oh, he'd. Be I gone. would defend Benny against that too. Yeah. Well, Benny, because they, I think congressmen and certain things have certain privileges well, i think all period. of us do I that mean, too think,
1: that's right i think all of us do and when you start trying to get I mean, in somebody's personal cell phone we got a problem and you well know, it's not it's not just like that but, but the
2: fact is you're trying to think about it look at the bigger picture you're trying to intimidate oh yeah or criminally prosecute members of congress well and see and, he, and this doesn't have on. anything
1: to do with anything but trump They're hatred for trump
2: but here's where you're exactly right here's the big picture i think we're losing sight of here you go look at the Roman Republic. We don't study the fall of republics anymore. We don't study the French Revolution anymore. We don't study these things. The Russian Revolution. No, some people do that. They study the the commies winning. Actually, yeah. <laughs> no. But you look at in Rome when you start when everybody started criminalizing their opposition, and it didn't happen right away. You didn't start out with a civil war between Caesar and Pompey at first. What you started out with was like 150 years earlier the erosion started. Once they started criminalizing each other, you couldn't afford to give up power because if what that meant was the other side would come in, figure out something you'd done somewhere, create a law, make it illegal, and then go back and prosecute you for it. So you would get exiled, lose your citizenship, get your property taken away from you, etc. So by the time you do get to Caesar, if he doesn't give up his army... Guess what? He's toast. He—I mean—that's where these civil wars came from in Rome. That's what happens when you start trying to treat your political opposition as criminals. Well, and that's, that's what like, I'm scared of. Where we're going here? Yeah, well, I agree
1: with you. Do you see what I mean? Well, look, look what we've done over the years, and and and, and politicians.
0: I mean, are what's being thrown around
2: now? If you disagree with these people, it was a new republic a month or two ago. If you disagree, with the Democrats on the spending bill, you're a traitor. That's it.
0: The Jambalaya is sponsored by Guns & Gear, a proud sponsor of the Mississippi Scholastic Shooting Program that provides competition events for high schools across the state. Bring your student's gun to Guns & Gear for custom shotgun fittings, repair, and even complete restoration. They can adjust the length of the pool for your kids as they continue to grow. Guns & Gear, located on the corner of Yandale Road and Highway 51 in Gluckstadt. Follow them on Facebook for daily deals.
1: You're well, a traitor you, if you don't take the <laughs> vaccine. You're anti-vax, and you know you're all. It. And what I'm pro done, and I'm
2: pro-vax, but I'm also pro-choice. Well,
1: you know they they have they have. Uh, first, it was race. Let's divide everybody by race. Yep. Now it's vaccine, and so it's whatever. And it, a lot of the
2: blacks are saying, "Wait a second. That's I mean, right. you see what happened a couple of weeks that's ago right. up in New York? The that's BLM right. people oh, yeah, were right. like, "Whoa!" They're, they're,
1: but you know that that's their strategy. Mm-hmm. As long as they can keep everybody divided, nobody's on the same page. Because if everybody came together. All these jokers in Washington's ass would be out. They'd be gone. Mm-hmm. But this this whole deal with this insurrection and Benny Thompson is nothing except to make sure Trump didn't get elected president again. That's all they want. Right. And, and they want something on him. And and it, whether you like Trump or not, I could care less what you think about him.
2: But. And he, and he doesn't always help himself, to no, say the least. No, no,
1: but the way they're doing this is 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 is, is a joke to me. And Benny Thompson heading this committee is a joke. But you got to remember, well, Eric Swalwell is on the intelligence committee, and he was having sex with a known Chinese spy. I know. And so, and you, you know, got Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi.
2: If you got Nancy Pelosi picking the Republican I members, it. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're going to do this, there's a way to do it. You know, the well, minority, the minority right. leader picks their team. And that's what we did with 9-11, by the way. That's right. Exactly. We had a 9-11 commission. That's what we did.
1: But Nancy Pelosi picked these people to sit on this committee. Yeah. Every one of them. And so when the Republicans offer their their guys, she she didn't want. And, 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 and of course, so, she
2: put who who all the Republicans hate right now, Liz Cheney. They stick right. her on there. That's right. You know, and it's turned it's it's turned into somewhat of a and, and, and the sad
1: thing is this country is divided. I'm 62 years but, old. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I mean I've never seen debate Well, you've never like
2: you never had social media before either. Uh, and no, that's causing a that's lot. That's right.
1: Of it. And and you know, and, and social media is 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 part of the problem too because you got family against family now in this vaccine crap. I mean, husband and wife, people getting divorced over a vaccine. My god, have we have we stooped that low in this country? I you know, I'm not taking a vaccine. I had coronavirus. But it's it's
2: just Minnesota. Benny sitting there. Th- that, and, and Lord, that, and that Lord, that's the guy who would want to tear down the Confederate flag because it's secessionist. Right. But yet he's the, he one, hey, the one running around that's that's with right. secessionists and, and supporting that. And, I mean, and you know,
1: Benny. You know, Benny's the one where he's got the poorest district in the country, and he's down on the Mexican border trying to get these people money, handing out checks down there. Something's wrong with this picture. And you know, he leaves Bolton to go to Congress, and he's, he didn't have a pot to piss in or when to throw it out of when oh, he left. Bolton. I think he was doing
2: okay, supervisor. Well,
1: not anything like he's doing now when you're in the. No, top. you
2: won't con- you won't convince me something didn't happen on that oh, jail. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure he made. I'm sure all of them. Look at the ones we got down there now. I mean, the Board of Supervisors, I mean, you know, I never call them a supervisor. I call it the Board of Stupid advisors,
2: Well, we had a decent board for about five years. Well, it was decent. Well, when you had
1: uh, Fisher on there and, you, you know, we had some and good And Greer. Things. Yeah, Tony's a good guy, sure. and, you know, but I'm telling you, it went downhill after that. When,
2: but Tony, when he listened to Phil Bryant, you yeah, go, hey, Tony, go run for uh, yeah, public a, service that commission. That was a mistake. Yeah, you know? right. Tony Tony uh That's right. Tony was doing a good job where he was. Uh and, yeah, he, so, and he see, he, understood politics. He he understood the little hardball and stuff. He didn't mind playing yeah. it, you know? <laughs> and, you know. but I, I, remember, say, I remember. Phil
1: Fisher, though, to me, was probably the best uh, supervisor we had from that district. Phil did a period. good job. Period. I'd say and, the best supervisor and, and, out of all of them. And uh, I really think a lot of Phil. I mean, he, look what he's done for Clinton. I mean, yeah. look at the business he's done over there. But you know sometime. what's amazing, I mean, though,
2: is – the hell that he catches trying to do it oh he I does mean, he's but got, you know what he doesn't back down no but he's got that whole rosemary faction just i mean honestly you got two cities here in this area you 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 had a you've had it for the last 25 years in exodus out of jackson and some cities such as ridgeland and madison and Flowood to some degree pearl was kind of late but they have not just said okay we're getting all these people coming they've really tried to use it to develop themselves yeah make them improve themselves then you've had two cities, which was Clinton and Brandon, which they were, ha- they were quite content to get nice, fat, and happy off the refugees but not do anything extra either. you know. Yeah. And the result is you don't really have a nice restaurant to go to in Brandon. You don't have real amenities there except for, thank goodness, for the amphitheater. Yeah. Then Clinton is kind of the same way, which Clinton, frankly, it's got an A-plus school district, has for a long time. Yeah. It's got a college there. It's got assets there, and they never actually leveraged them when phil came uh, he sh- he's leveraged he, he's leveraged he, him yeah, but it's amazing how much they have fought him every but you know what phil likes he likes the battle but chalkway he said you know he pretty much you know what he told him was you know they're trying to take the airport from us we can't we can't give up anything uh, you know, he's, and he's
1: he's hell-bent on destroying jackson and he's he's doing a, a great he's job he's done a great job as far as that goes he's run off uh you know 50 percent of police officers they're 150 short uh you know, he's done a great job yeah. on doing that. So talks about giving them a raise. I find that humorous. Well, hell, you could have used that money to keep the people you had, but, but you ran them all out. Let's be off. honest.
2: You know, I've always thought, I, the last few years I've thought, look, let's get rid of, I would like to just either give it to them or lease it to them for a dollar, the planetarium to, to the Museum of Art. It's right there. Yeah. They could incorporate that, sell same tickets, all that stuff. You know, it's what they yeah. do, you know. And... Give my nail garden to somebody, you know. Do something with the zoo, but basically start getting shit off the books, okay? But say they're not going to do it. The zoo should and, have been and Melvin moved Priest years ago. and Melvin Priester Junior actually said that one time. He was actually for that. You know, let's get rid of the assets we don't really need. Not we'd like to have, but need off the books. You know, and get free stop up the, that money. You know, free up yeah. the money, stop the expenses. And he caught Holy Hill. I mean. Just shutting down Grove Park Golf Course, which is nine holes, wasting several hundred thousand dollars a year. Nobody was using. Less than 100 people a year used it. And yet, that was a fight. I mean, you got to learn when to cut your losses and pull back. Well, it's why. why well, Chuckway's it, not going to be no. uh,
1: resolved till he destroys completely Jackson. And I'm oh, they're doing it. I'm disappointed a little bit in the governor because they hadn't done anything to uh, address any of this stuff. And, I mean, he's he's living downtown. I'd be damned if I'd tolerate that. The National Guard would be patrolling the streets if I was the governor because I wouldn't. I don't, I mean, think,
2: I don't think 10 years ago Tate would have. I mean, I just don't. I, I have a problem with this. I remember to Harvey Johnson over the water bonds, you know, 10 years ago, and Harvey was wrong, and he took on Tate and Haley, and Tate chewed him a new one, and, and he was right, and he yeah. won that one. And now, but, you know, Chalkway gets out last state. Don't <laughs> they, they don't pay their water just start making – and Chalkway, what people don't realize – we're about done, but how much he just lies oh, about. Okay. Every time he, opens he his makes mouth. it up Well, constantly. let me tell you
1: how you can tell when he's lying, his lips are moving. Well, I understand and, that. And the second thing is, when you end a, a, every sentence with, uh, all right, right, all right, right, all right. You're, you well, you.
2: you're either, one, insecure, or two, you're trying to manipulate.
1: Well, I always say, I tell everybody when they say, why does he do that? I said, he's trying to convince himself. I said, because, I I mean, that's what he's
2: doing. To me, he comes off insecure when he does that, right? That's right.
1: You know, and so, but these people buy that stuff. Or or he comes
2: up with these fancy terms, like when Ashby started trying, the city councilman started, you know, we've had three murders at this bar. We need to look at shutting it down. And here comes Chalkway saying, he's engaged in reductive analysis. Like it's supposed to be this big word that, okay, whatever, you know. Oh, I mean, well. <laughs> well, Chuck way
1: better hold on to this job because he was not successful in his attorney. So I mean, he it, will, uh, this is about it. I mean,
2: it's someone who's trying to be a Bill Buckley who ain't Bill Buckley. You well, know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> his ultimate goal
1: is to have Benny Thompson's job, and Benny's going to die where he is. And so I think him and Jody Owens both have that aspiration to be you know, take Benny Thompson's job.
2: I think. So. I think. I think, oh, think Chalkway definitely would like to be in. Oh, AC. he would. He and, would. And, and Jody Owens as well. And here's what I'm worried, worried about. You know, I wouldn't mind. From what I've seen so far, see in, in a couple of years. You know, Vernon Hartley running for mayor. Yeah. The problem is, I don't know if there's going to be a Jackson left when he, if he did win. I'm not sure. There if is so be, much. I mean, you have you know. any more episodes of what happened last night? Oh yeah, and. You know, these Bruninis and these others are going to start looking at getting the hell out of Dodge oh, when, they are. when their leases are up. I mean, well,
1: I can just tell you right now the last person to leave Jackson, please turn off the lights if there is any power left. Yeah. But there's not going to be. I mean, this yeah. is are I've never seen it. I grew up here. I yeah. mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And, uh,
2: you know, it's sad. I mean, it's sad. I mean, it's like us in Shreveport are engaged in a race to the bottom. Who can get the worst, I you think know?
1: we're going to win. I think I, Jackson, think I think you're right. I think Jackson And there's
2: no businesses they've bragged on. You notice he's never bragged about landing a business or they anything. They haven't landed anything. No. I mean, not anything. They're just moving out. Uh, everybody's moving out. And when a business out. does try to move out, you notice, they never make a real effort to keep them or save uh, them. None at all. I mean, look, you know, under Harvey Johnson, look
1: at Caterpillar. All Caterpillar wanted on Highway <laughs> 80. They said, look, let us use our equipment and, and, and build an access road off the interstate till, to uh, Highland Drive. Yeah. And, and that's all. We'll pay for it. And Harvey Johnson declined it. And so they said, okay, screw you. Actually, we I, heard he, I heard he
2: wouldn't return the phone calls. And so
1: they went to Rankin County. And, yeah. and now they're generating about $150 million of revenue over there in Rankin County.
2: Actually, the word I heard was they at the time jackson was getting about two million a year in sales tax revenue from them that's what i heard it was uh, see, a lot of money to lose
1: you know and, and but see and chuckway's worse than i mean chuckway has done nothing to in, in no economic development in hinds county there's nothing going on in jackson no. none nothing and the board of supervisors same way if it wasn't for well clinton Raising and getting Armstrong Tire Plant and stuff like that. You're not seeing well, David
2: Archie. David L. Archie would lo- would love to run them off. Well, you know, I mean, he's go- got he goes own. out there. He's got his
1: own issues. You know,
2: he's got his own issues. And actually, I think he's right about Credell To be honest oh, with I, you, I think there's a there's, he's not he's not a total you know, dummy. But when he he, sit, he was sitting here on Kim Wade a couple of months ago, and he said, you know, we need to do something, get rid of the crime so the gas stations can make money, and we can that creates jobs and stuff. I'm like, what kind of economics is it? You want to run off the big employer, but yet you want this? Yeah. Huh? Well, this no, wonder the, this, no wonder this county is fucked up. <laughs> well,
1: this, you know, it's, and it's the whole board of supervisors. They, you know, they're all worried about lining their own pockets yeah that's and, it. and that's it, and it's been going on for years and years and years and you know well, i we, went to we war had a board for console. about
2: five years that it kind of kept it under control when we had McWhorter well, and then we had Phil then yeah. Tony, and then so on, you know well, you know I, but now it's and
1: it's sad it's uh. You know, I, I went to war with them constantly, and, uh, you know, they sued me a few times. I sued them a few times.
2: Yeah, because you had to deal with Doug and George. and I mean, Doug, um, at
1: starting out. Me and Doug, you know, we had this love-hate relationship. He loved to hate me, and I loved to hate him, yeah. and it worked out good. But I saw Doug at a restaurant one time. We had just battled it out, and he, he offered to buy me lunch, and I said, no, no, Doug. And he said, Bill, don't take it personal. It's You know, it's, it's all for show. And I said, well, I know that, Doug. You know, Macmillan had already warned me about Doug, and don't you know, don't
2: get me started on Mac. So, you know, <laughs> There's, there 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 are two people who are not fans of Mac. That's me and Fisher. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, th- I think he's a mediocre sheriff. Well, mediocre. I'll tell you this quick a story word.
1: about Macmillan. Uh <clears throat> When I first decided to run for judge, I was down into jail doing something, and I'd walked out, and he ran into him. And you know, I might have knew him on JPD. We worked together, and uh-huh. all this stuff, and and so uh, he came up to me and shook my hand he said why didn't you come to me and talk to me before you decided to run the judge i said uh excuse me and uh, he said you should have come to talk to me first i said uh <laughs> i don't need your permission to do anything and he that said, sounds like him and he said well you know so-and-so is my friend and i said well i'm gonna beat so, you and, and that's him, and that's the way he you know? was i mean let me tell you But some, after that let me tell you something where
2: he fucked up with, with phil fisher was when Phil was running for supervisor the first time, he and Pickett and Pete Luke got him an opponent. Cause they want that spot for some you know for themselves. See, I find that interesting because
1: Pickett it was, I, you know, I was out with Phil. Some we would run into. We were campaigning together,
2: and, and so we would speak at some of the, the sort of person that forgets that.
1: But I, I, I don't think Pickett was involved in that. Now Pete Luke, it wouldn't surprise me. That's and, what but, that's what Phil
2: at the time said. But I, I, I don't know about Pickett because well, you know. But like I said though, Phil was kind of. He's not the. He doesn't forget that kind of uh, stuff. But and, uh, and then. So when he got on the board, he was on a McMillan fan to begin yeah. with, okay. And then when they did try to give them raises, and they did, they they had a big raise. They gave it in two parts. So the first raise they gave, and McMillan wound, wound up taking most of the raise for his boys, you know, Pete and all the command staff, Nick and all them. And I can show you the spreadsheets. They got nice fat raises out you of you know. Pick and them. then the jailers, the guys who really needed it, they were getting like an extra hundred a month or so, and that was it. You know, Pickett so, and I have been friends for hey, years. We're he, pals. You know,
1: he uh, he he helped me when I ran first ran for judge. He told me what and I needed like to Steve, do. And, okay. and he did a good job with me. And he and I go out and eat all and the time. We're I, and good friends. Steve and I think the world in that, is that position
2: just doing what his boss man yeah. is, you yeah. know, telling him to do. But having said that, though, so that when the second time for the second race came around, Phil Phil and the rest of the board was like, oh, no, this time we're going to give the raise across the board to everybody everybody's going to get a raise here. And Mac said, in that case, I don't want the race. Cause if I can't pick and choose who gets it, then I'm going to take my ball and go home. And so he did.
1: <laughs> Which sounds like Mac. So. That,
2: and that sounds like Mac. Yeah. I just think he was a mediocre sheriff. Yeah. I mean, he we're had, just going to disagree.
1: He had a loyal following. And you know, of course, both my younger brothers worked for him. Yeah. And uh, they started with McAdory and then they worked for Macmillan. And so, you know, They've got their own opinions. You know who I'm going to try so. to get on here,
2: don't you? Who? McNeil. Alex? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Alex and I, you know, he trained with my daddy for my oh, daddy. Oh, yeah. And well, he, he was
2: too. involved in that incident. So,
1: you know, McNeil and I go Matter way of fact,
2: back. I think it was his. But I think him and other black cop had busted someone at JSU or right around there that started the whole thing in the first place. Well, you know, me and MacNeil have
1: been friends. I don't know about that part of it, but now me and MacNeil go way back. We've been friends. We trained together. Uh, I went with him to New Orleans. He competed in a contest, didn't do very well down there. And he said, Bill, put me on a diet. And uh, his wife was with us. And uh, I got him on a diet, and his wife cooked exactly what I told her to cook. And then a few months later, he won Mr. America. And, uh. It made me feel t- good because he was training with me and Fraser Thomas and Terry Smith at the time. i,
2: I tell you a funny funny uh, Alex story. We'll wrap it up. But he used to be, when he was a narc, he was working by himself in South Hines County. And so he catches this drug dealer who he'd busted before and judges would he'd keep on getting out. So says, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you back to the county line and turn you loose. I don't want to ever catch you here ever again so he takes a long rope out of his trunk he ties one into the bumper ties the other end to this guy's neck and if you listening to this alex is black and he drove slowly to the county line with the guy chasing the car <laughs> the reason why we know about this is not because alex waited 50 years or whatever to put it on facebook no it's because at the time another deputy was on patrol and his lights picked up alex. alex's well, car so we first see the lights pick up the vehicle moving slowly Oh shoot! I got an officer who might be in some trouble here. Let me see what's going on. Then the lights pick up this long rope, and then this poor guy running his ass off to keep up with the car. Man. Alex said that when McMillan became sheriff, he cut out all that kind of shit.
1: You know, he uh, <laughs> he and I trained together all the time. And I remember he, when he trained. I he trained was, with uh, we trained at the academy every morning. I think we'd meet at six thirty in the morning. Yeah. He, Fraser Thomas, and Terry Smith. He's in his. And, he's uh, probably around eighty now. And they were, you know, he was a monster back then, and now. Uh, and uh, his favorite line with me, because I was I mean, like white guy, be, guy this training. this guy had
2: better calves than Sean Ray oh, yeah, Flex. Okay, he was, okay. Uh, he
1: was uh, his line every time I was training. He said, "Man, I love to see a white joker suffer." That was his favorite line with me, and so. But let me tell you, he oh was, man, he look, would, well, you know
2: what he'd do at the gym? He would, he, he would take, he would go to a white guy who had a bottle, let's say, of drink or whatever. You mind if I have a drink, drink out of that? You know, and he would sit there and practically give the damn bottle a blowjob while he drank it. You know, and say, here you go, you know. And the guy obviously <laughs> would want to drink the yeah. bottle anymore and he starts <laughs> saying, "You are not racist are you? I mean, just <laughs> fucking." Oh, he, he's <laughs> I mean. he's a, a finer
1: guy. I've been to his house. We've eaten together. We've been on trips together. We've. Uh,
2: Yeah, I love Alex to death. He was always good to my family. And in the gym, we would pull jokes on each other and just people, I mean, these are kind of jokes you have to be really good friends with somebody to pull them. And other people, if – We'd be going, oh my gosh, y'all are crazy. So well, you know, when people would
1: come in the training academy, they'd be, we'd be back there training. And it was, yeah. we were all big guys and lifting a lot of weight, and he'd, he'd be hollering out, "I love to see a white joker suffer," and there'd be other white guys in there looking like, "What?" The? Yeah. And of course, it was just McNeil, you know. So I don't know, and he he was he's he's always been a good friend. I mean, he's a good friend of my family. My brother was my youngest brother was his supervisor on the sheriff's department on the midnight shift. Uh, they were good friends, Kingfish. I have enjoyed. This. Yeah,
2: thank you very much for coming on. It. I told you we'd, we'd be at this for a while, so. Uh,
1: well, we'll we'll do something else later, and uh, we'll get yeah. together
2: and. I enjoyed,
1: this. enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I know. hope this podcast stuff works
2: out great for you because uh you've done good. I like it. I like Jambalai. it. It's it's a lot more. You know, it, it's. I just this is more a better flow for me than say just the radio station. Got to worry about seven breaks, Philip how many breaks, seven minutes till break, Th- fill up yeah. this, you know, three minutes. I got to fill up this, that and everything. Then I got to work out what I say on the air. Then yeah. I've got, I got to, then, then you've got to keep the audience interested. You yeah. got to generate those calls. And it's like,
1: well, this, you can kind of cover a bunch of different topics. And I can, and I can follow where I want to go. Yeah. You know?
2: and, and it, it's going to work out good for
1: you. you got a great website. You know, I've been reading it for years. I've been a top hot topic on there. Many One day times. I'm going to do a show where
2: I just read off the comments of <laughs> that I don't approve, and people can actually. Oh, they would die. Oh, yeah. But you see, I thought about posting some and say, here are the comments I haven't approved, and here's why. But I know nowadays somebody would just go screenshot those and see. Here's what he's posting online, man. He's a you know blah blah blah. He's, all right, folks, we've had enough. We're not going to inflict any more damage on you. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to The Jambalaya with the Kingfish. Tune in next week for a new episode.